Bolivia. Uh, we had a chance to spend just a little bit of time with them last night, and uh, their burden for Bolivia is, is it's apparent, and uh, it has produced fruit. That's all I need to know. <laughs> they got a burden for the place, and God's using them mightily. Praise God. Uh, they'll go more into depth on that, I'm sure. But uh, these are great people. Uh, give them your full attention this morning. I don't know exactly what they're going to do, uh, but uh, we will be blessed this morning. Amen. As Brother Dames comes, let's all stand. And let's thank God as he comes for what he is doing in Bolivia. Amen. He is saving souls in Bolivia. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Can you give a hand clap of praise to Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. He is the only wise God. Hallelujah. Jesus, you're worthy of the highest praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. And it's great to be in La Crosse, Wisconsin. I'm glad it's not a French name or an Indian name that I can't pronounce. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. I told Pastor Becker last night, if I stay here long enough, I'll be speaking French. Amen. Amen. What a privilege it is to be in God's house with God's people. And to feel God's presence and to hear God's word. Amen. We're thankful for the opportunity to be here amen, this morning to present to you, amen, not just burden and needs, but testimonies. Amen. How many are thankful that we preach the gospel that transforms lives? Amen. We sp- I spend a lot of time going into the prisons in Bolivia, and many times the policemen will be frisking me and making sure I'm not bringing anything in without paying them for it. And uh, they'll tell me, you're wasting your time. Why do you come here? They'll never change. Amen. But if I didn't have a message that didn't change people, amen, then they'd be right. Amen. But I'm excited. I can tell you story after story of men and women, children and young people, whose their lives have been changed because the gospel of Jesus Christ was preached to them. Hallelujah. How many are thankful that one day someone shared the gospel with you? Hallelujah. Like Paul, I feel like a debtor today to Jesus Christ and to everyone that's never heard the gospel. And because nobody should go to hell without having the opportunity to reject the gospel. Amen. Let it never be said they went to hell because I didn't share the gospel with them. And that I closed my mouth when I had the answer to their Eternal need. Hallelujah. Amen. And we uh, have been in Bolivia for 17 years now. I was born and raised in New Hampshire. And my wife was born and raised in Guatemala. Uh, we met and a year later got married. And a week later started pastoring a Spanish church in Louisiana. And uh, five years later went to Bolivia. So uh, we have a lot to share with you this evening, this morning. And uh, I say many times if I can share in five minutes what God did in 17 years, we need to be fired and replaced. Amen. But... I do have my watch here and two beautiful ladies here on the front row that will tell me uh, that I need to quit. Amen. 
Amen. But um, we're going to share with you a few things in the video, and then uh, if it's okay, my wife and daughter will sing in Spanish. Amen. And worship the Lord in Spanish. And uh, amen. Dios le bendiga, hermano. Amen. But as I mentioned, we spend a lot of time going into the prison. And in Bolivia, when a person goes to prison, they have to buy or rent their jail cell. Uh, they have to provide their own meals, soap, shampoo, and even toilet paper. Uh, so when we arrived in Bolivia, you could go to the men's prison, and you would see they had their wife and children with them living in the same jail cell. And uh, thankfully, the government uh, enforced the law prohibiting that. But now we only have children in the ladies' prison. About 4,000 children under the age of six live in prison with their mothers. But that creates an opportunity for us. And then we can take our church minivan or minibus and go to the prison. We fill it with 20 to 30 children and then take them to church. And uh, we're very thankful for the young people. I mean, how many here have helped the young people wash cars or paid them to wash a car? Maybe you had to go home and rewash it, but uh, the money went to move the mission. Amen. Let's give a hand clap for all of our young people all over the world. Amen. That helped missionaries move the gospel. Amen. We can take 22 children to church and a pathfinder. And we did it for four years. And uh, thankfully we have that minibus and it's got a half a million kilometers on it. So pray for us that we can get a better one and newer one. Amen. But uh, we're excited to be able to take people to church. Amen. We also want to thank all of our ladies. How many ladies here have given to Mother's Memorial Ladies Ministry now? Can we give a hand clap to all of our ladies? Amen. Uh, we are very grateful for a washer, dryer, and a refrigerator. And uh, when I was on the AIM program in Argentina at the age of 19, I was at the Bible school. And I lived with the, the Bible school students, and I did my laundry just like they did, in a sink with a one-by-four piece of wood and a scrub brush. And I'm thankful we don't do our laundry like that because ladies' ministry provided a washer and a dryer. Amen. Uh, about a year and a half ago, my wife came home and smelt burning plastic and wires and uh, she rescued the laundry but the 16 year old dryer gave up the ghost uh, and, but thankfully a week later the ladies ministry sent an offering and we were able to buy a new dryer so we say thank you to all of our ladies for this great blessing but also the ladies provide a bible school scholarship and as the bible school president director for the first six years in bolivia every day of the first year was the same uh, interview each student to see how much they could pay for their school bill when the average wage is $2 a day, $200 is hard to come by. But I'm thankful I could tell each one of those students because none of them could pay their school bill. Most of them couldn't even pay part of it. Amen. But I'm thankful I could tell each one of them, get good grades and go build a church because ladies' ministry provided you a scholarship. Amen. So we say thank you to our ladies for those scholarships. Amen. It's, it's not just to keep our milk cold and our clothes clean, but it also is producing pastors and teachers. And it's very important because in Bolivia, we don't just speak Spanish there. Well, they don't just speak Spanish there. I try to speak Spanish, but uh, my wife and daughter come in a few minutes and tell you how many dialects are spoken in Bolivia. And it would be impossible to, for us to learn in a lifetime. I'm a very slow learner, so uh, all of those dialects would be hard to learn and then go preach the gospel in those languages and start churches. So it's a lot easier to uh, train those that speak the dialects, and then they can go and start churches. 
Amen. So I'm going to have my wife and daughter come. They're going to do a presentation, tell you how many dialects are spoken there, teach you a few words and a couple of them, and uh, even have a puppet show uh, by our daughter. Dios les bendiga. God bless you, brothers and sisters. It's an honor to be here in Wisconsin and share with you our burden for Bolivia. As my husband was saying, there's 36 dialects in Bolivia and two main ones that are Quechua and Aymara. And today, Pamela, she's going to teach you some words in Quechua and Aymara. As you know, in Spanish, Dios le bendiga, God bless you, but she's going to teach you those words in Quechua and Aymara. Maybe she can step over here so you can see her. Hola, yo soy Juanito y yo soy Juanita. Yo he escuchado a un hermano que por allá ha dicho Dios le bendiga. Bueno, en Quechua es Dios bendice sucho y en Aymara Dios sampique. Gracias. She said, uh, how are you doing? And I heard a brother speaking Spanish. In Quechua is Dios bendice sucho and in Aymara is Dios sampique. And we always said if someone comes and tells us those words, we're going to give them a coin from Bolivia. So we will be waiting for it. And sometimes we are concerned about our world, which is very good if we are concerned about our world. That is our family, our neighborhood, our city, our country. But today I'm asking you to please expand your vision and see the whole world and be concerned and have a burden for the whole world. And we're asking today, especially if you could come with us as missionaries, there's three ways that you could come as missionaries. You could go as missionaries, going, giving, and being prayer missionaries. And we're asking you today, if you could come as prayer missionaries for the country of Bolivia, which is in the heart of South America. There's several prayer requests that we have. The fourth uh, wave of COVID is hitting right now. And we ask you to please pray for them because they don't have the medicine, the oxygen, and what they would need to get over this fourth wave. Also for the political unrest, as you know, it's a socialist country. And uh, we ask you to pray also for the prison ministry. We have a, a special prison ministry because we work with the kids that live with their parents. And we pick them up on Sundays. We bring them to church we teach them Sunday school, feed them lunch, take them to the park, play uh, different sports with them, and then bring them back. But during the week, uh, if any one of them needs to go to the doctor and they don't have anyone to take them, we take them. And we also have been with them while they have had surgeries and they have no one with them to go with them at, to the hospital. And the older ones, if one of them has a graduation and no one is with them, we we are with them. And we've been with several of them for graduation day. And some of them now are older and come to our church and bring their own families. And um, they, the older ones support the younger ones. But please pray for them so that they don't go back in the lifestyle that their parents have. But they start a new generation with the Lord and being saved. God bless you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your giving for missions. And come with us as prayer missionaries. Amen. And we believe we're in a church that supports missionaries, prays, and has a burden. Amen. Because we wouldn't be here if that wasn't the case. So we say thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your burden. Thank you for your giving. Amen. And 
We're going to show you a video here now um, that will let you know that your prayers and finances go all over the world and are making a difference. Every person who gives to missions is a part of everything that's on this video. We have had the privilege to see almost 300 men baptized in prison and almost 100 ladies baptized in the ladies' prison and over two dozen young people baptized in Jesus' name uh, in our church as a result of going there and ministering the gospel. On the, on, I almost said on the back, but downstairs there's the table. And our display, we have things for sale there. Uh, all the purchases of anything there will go to help the prison ministry. Amen. It's amazing to see that God multiplies the little that we have and makes it even go further. Amen. Since 2012, when we started our church, we started it with about a dozen teenagers that were in prison with their parents living there. And uh, uh, we started our church like that. And every Sunday after church, we take them. We used to take them to a restaurant. Now we bring the food to the church. Um, but for nine years, every Sunday, we have fed uh, the children with uh, a chicken dinner. We buy three whole chickens uh, and the rice and all the fixings. Uh, but I am excited to be able to tell you we see the multiplication of the food almost every Sunday. Not one Sunday have we ever said there's not enough. And now that we have families from Venezuela living on the streets, they're coming to church. I'll tell them, come eat lunch. Uh, sometimes I forget to ask my wife how, mu- how many people we can serve, but it's always enough. And the children a lot of times will eat a little bit and take the rest home to their mother uh, because they don't have a whole lot of food there. Uh, so uh, we're going to go to Bolivia right now. You're going to fly over the Christ of the Concordia, which is a statue of the Christ that looks like the one in Brazil. It's almost two meters taller. Uh, Bolivia has to have the bragging rights to be have a taller Christ than Brazil. Uh, but later on, we'll fly over the city of Cochabamba, which is about a, over a million people, and then fly down to our church that we started in 2012. It's already started. Uh, we're 10 minutes late for church, but in Bolivia, you can be late and still on time. So. <laughs>
Amen. The children of our Sunday school uh, in the prison ministry say thank you, gracias, amen, for giving so that the gospel could reach them. Amen. Eighty-five to ninety percent of those children in the video uh, were or are being raised in prison. Uh, a lot of them are old enough we can start showing their pictures. No one would recognize them, but uh, we're thankful for the opportunity to share the gospel. Amen. We use many ways. Uh, equine or horse therapy, extreme sports, baseball and street hockey in the juvenile prison. Uh, I don't know who was crazy enough to let me in, but we went in and did it. Amen. The minister of the gospel any way we can because uh, they wouldn't let me bring Bibles or, or Christian literature or even teach, but uh, just playing sports and looking for opportunities uh, to impact the lives of the young men. One of the boys from the juvenile prison was baptized uh, in our church, and we're thanking God for the fruit that we're seeing, amen, from that ministry. Uh, radio ministry, uh, in 2016, when I when we went back to Bolivia, uh, I was prayerfully uh, seeking a way to preach on the radio, but I wanted to preach on a secular radio station, didn't want to preach to Christians that went to other churches. And the Lord opened the door for us to minister every Thursday at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Over a million people can hear our broadcast. And uh, we're thankful for what the Lord is doing through that. Amen. And uh, we have many other things to share with you, but time is short. Amen. So uh, to transition from that to the Word, amen, we're going to ask my wife to come back and sing and play a couple songs in Spanish and in English. And our daughter, too, will join her. And... Uh, I play the trumpet and saxophone because I don't sing. Father, you 
Exaltándote, Señor, queremos darte gloria y alabanza. Levantamos nuestras manos y exaltándote, Señor, grande eres tú, grande tus milagros son, no hay otro como tú. No hay otro como tú, grande eres tú, grande tus milagros son, no hay otro como tú, hay otro como tú. You are grace, you do miracles already, there is no one else like you. There is no one else like you, for you are grace. You do miracles always. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's no one like Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a privilege it is to know, to serve, and to love Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. We are very grateful for the opportunity to be here. I never take it lightly, an invitation. Amen. Knowing the pastors don't know us, uh, what we're going to do, amen, say, or anything like that, and just open their church doors and pulpit to us. Thank you, Pastor Becker. Amen. We do not take your invitation lightly. Amen. It's a privilege uh, to meet the Becker family and Sister Rudy last night. A delicious meal. Very grateful for all the attention, the hospitality. We are so grateful. Amen. And thankful for that. Amen. And I want to share with you from the Word of the Lord from Luke chapter 8. And again, on the, on the table downstairs, there's opportunity to um, go by giving. Amen. Not just the yellow PIM slip. Amen. But also the projects. Uh, we're raising money to pay off the 20 year loan. We're about six years ahead right now. Amen. And the Lord has blessed this, um, endeavor. I really don't, can't believe right now we even got into the 20 year loan and didn't have the money to do it, but we took a leap of faith. Amen. And the Lord has provided. And, uh, you can own a piece of land in Bolivia if you want to buy a one square foot. Uh, and talk to your pastor. I mean, you, how many think it would be cool to own some land in Bolivia? Amen. We can show you the satellite picture, 1824 Eduardo Cava Street, where you own one square foot of land for $50. Amen. You can buy a square foot of land and help us pay off that loan. Amen. Luke chapter 8, 26 through 33. And they arrived at the country of Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man, which had devils long time. And wear no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out 
and fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. They besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was there and heard of many swine feeding on the mountain, and besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them, and he suffered them. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd red violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. Quickly reading from Luke thirteen eleven through 13. Luke thirteen eleven, And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity eighteen years, and was bowed together, and could in no wise lift up herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her to him, and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thy infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and glorified God. Amen. I want to speak to you for a few minutes on that thought, Jesus came to set you free. Jesus came to set you free. Thank you, Jesus, for your word and your people. Your word is not bound by anything or anybody except for unbelief. And we believe in your word, Jesus. We're asking you to set us free from whatever would be possible of binding us today. In Jesus' name we thank you. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. In the verses of scriptures we read, we saw two people loosed. One from demon possession, and the other from an 18-year-old sickness or infirmity that she had. There are many things that hold people captive today. And not one of them can continue captivating a person after Jesus comes into our lives. He has come to set us free. In Luke chapter 4, he came in and as many times they, they would invite an elder or someone that was recognized as being a higher authority, uh, or not just by age, but by maturity, they would invite them to read the scripture. And Jesus was handed the scroll, but he did not just accidentally skip across a verse and just start reading it. Jesus never did anything by accident or coincidence. Everything he ever did had purpose to it. And so he read from Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. We see it in red letters in Luke chapter 4, but in Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our Lord God. To comfort all that mourn. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. To give unto them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they might be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. Now we're going to read it in Luke 4.18. The words that Jesus spoke quoted by Luke. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised. 
I love reading the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are so awesome. And as a former Bible quizzer, I learned a long time ago to look for patterns in Scripture, not just to be able to answer the questions, but part of Bible quizzing, more important than memorizing the Word, is to get it into your heart and not just your head. And one of the things I like to do is look for the patterns in Scripture. And I've circled Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John every time I find certain words that repeat. One of those words that I like to find are immediately. We just saw it in Luke chapter 13. After Jesus touched the woman that was, she was, how do you say, horrovado. Uh, she was hunchback, stooped over. She couldn't stand straight. But when Jesus touched her, that word that we see so many times, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and, and Acts especially, after Jesus touched her, she immediately, she immediately was healed. And looking through Scripture, looking for patterns, I read where Jesus set at liberty those that were captive. But when his own cousin John was in prison, Jesus did not go there and break him out. He never went to prison as far as I can tell. But he mentioned that when you go to, I was in prison and you came to visit me. I was sick and you came. I I was naked and you, you clothed me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. But we never see Jesus going to prison. Even when his own cousin was there. But he came to set at liberty those that are captive. Not behind bars, because I have met people. I have stood in, in solitary confinement. I have had to stand with three policemen around me while I preached to some of the most dangerous men you'll ever meet. But they were more free than some people that have never been in prison. It is amazing when we worship Jesus in prison. And the presence of God comes down. One of those services, they told me, Pastor, it's time to preach. But I, I, I heard a, a sound that I'd never heard before. I can hear the sound of a stream or running water. And even though I'd never heard it before, I recognized what it meant. And I said, somebody's going to get the Holy Ghost right now. Fifteen minutes before that, I was sitting at a red light on the way to the prison, and I realized it had been a long time since someone had spoken tongues in my presence in church. been too long since someone received the Holy Ghost, and I told myself, and God at that red light, I want to see someone get the Holy Ghost today. And Wednesday's our day off. It's our Sabbath, our, our Saturday. And uh, as a family, and I do go to the prison for two hours. That's the only day they'll let me in. So I go to that, and then the rest of the day is free. So I knew if someone didn't get the Holy Ghost in prison, I probably wouldn't have seen it that day. And I declared it in faith. Someone's going to get the Holy Ghost today. Parked the car, went across, got frisked, and went into the prison. And I heard the stream running water. And they said, Pastor, it's time to preach. I said, No. Keep worshiping. Someone's going to get the Holy Ghost. And a couple seconds later, a man started speaking in tongues. I started to go over to pray for him. And the man bes- beside him was speaking in tongues. 
Before I could even recognize to pray for him, didn't need to. A man from Peru fell out and hit the floor and started speaking in tongues. Forty-five minutes later, he stopped. Four people, four men got the Holy Ghost in that service. One of them usually doesn't last long in prison because what he did to his own daughter. And he was the first one to speak in tongues. And I almost became Jonah the second. Why did he get the Holy Ghost? The one that told me that he wanted to be a street preacher and evangelize the young people and get people out of gangs. He should have got the Holy Ghost. God taught me a lesson on grace that day. He came to set at liberty the captive. Still in prison. Some of them are going to be there for 30 years. The maximum sentence is 30 years. Some of them will probably die in prison. But they're set free. Because Jesus came to set them free. Behind prison bars, but they're free. Because the first thing we need to be set, set free from is sin. He came to break the bondage of sin in our lives. But I'm thankful today that also He doesn't just set us free from sin. He sets us free from the shame that sin brings into our lives. Working with gang members and violent men, I've realized something. And it starts in Genesis 4. Because shame produces anger and anger produces violence. And violence postpones shame for a few minutes. But the new violence produces more shame, so the next cycle of violence will even be even more bloody and more violent. It started with Cain killing his own brother because of shame. But I am excited because I can share somebody the gospel and they're released from not only sin but shame. That is a consequence of their actions. Because... Jesus came to set us free, not just so we could go to heaven, but so that we could be free here on earth. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus told the the people, The thief has come to kill, rob, and destroy, but I have come so that you might have life and life more abundantly. Too many people are surviving and not living. Jesus came to set us free and to give us life more abundantly. Not just to be miserable from day to day, Sunday to Sunday, but that we can have quality of life and abundance of life. And I'm not just talking about prosperity, but I'm talking about living quality life. Not just surviving, but super living. It's a word in Spanish that we translate to English. It's super living. It's not surviving. Set free from sin and shame. We need to be set free in many other ways. When we think of thieves, we think of people stealing our money. But there are things that money can't buy. And when they're stolen from you, they're irreplaceable. Has the devil come and stolen your joy, your peace of mind? Psalms 85.8 is a verse that I like using. It says, I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for He will speak peace unto His people and to His saints. But let them not turn again to folly. 
In Spanish it says, escucharé lo que hablará Jehová Dios porque habla paz a su pueblo para que no vuelvan a la locura. How many understood that? The last word I said was locura. He speaks peace to his people so they do not go loco. Locura is the root word for loco. He speaks peace to his people so they don't go loco. Walking across the park in 2009, I was the district superintendent of the district of Santa Cruz and the other two board members were with me. We're going into a board meeting. I was towing my carry-on bag. I just got off a plane and going to a board meeting. Had my laptop, my um, projector. Two men with guns stood up and took everything we had. Left me my Bible and my coffee. If they'd taken that, it had been a different situation. But I honestly thought, with two guns pointed at me, I honestly thought it was young people from the church playing a prank. None of them have ever, ever done anything like that, but that was what I was thinking. Oh, they're just playing a joke on their, their pastor and the, the missionary. I felt peace. Walked a block, called my mom and told her to cancel all my credit cards and Debit cards and walked back and the other two pastors were still standing where I left them ten minutes before. They didn't move. Frozen. But I was at peace. He speaks peace to his people. You can be in a situation that would make you go crazy. But the peace of God that surpasses all understanding just flows all over you and just stand there and say, God is good. Insurance can cover most of it. Because he speaks peace to his people. Has the devil stolen your peace? Stop and listen. Be still and know that I am God, the scripture says. What does he speak? Isaiah 28, 11. I forgot to give it to our, our, our help back in the sound booth, but... What does God speak? If He speaks peace to His people and we're supposed to stop and listen, what does He speak? In a strange tongue and stammering lips will I speak to this people. And this is the rest which will cause the weary to rest. In a world that has become accustomed just popping a pill to go to sleep and popping another one to stay awake and, and to survive. And I'm not against getting help. Mental health is one of the biggest problems in our world today. But could it be that we need to just stop and listen for the Lord to speak peace to our heart? I'm not saying go home and throw it all away and stop taking your medicine. That's between you, God, and your doctor and your pastor. But just stop and listen to what God speaks to my heart. There's no efectos secundarios. There's no side effects. One of the biggest side effects to some of the antidepressants is suicide. There's no side effects to what God's going to do into our heart. But Satan wants to steal our joy, our peace, our sound mind. There are other things 
Satan wants to steal from us. Proverbs 18.14 The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit, who can bear? Right now in Louisiana, there's people, with, they've been gone a week without electricity. Their houses are destroyed. One of the things about the United States is you can pick what natural disaster you want. I think blizzards are the easiest ones to survive. You can go west and have the fires. The Midwest and have tornadoes. Other places, earthquakes, hurricanes, flooding. But it always amazes me when I watch the people and they stick a microphone in their face and they say, What are you going to do? And their house is flattened behind them, covered in water or reduced to ashes. And they stick out their chest and they say, we're going to sweep away the rubble and we're going to build again. Because their spirit sustains their infirmity. But a wounded spirit cannot survive things that come into their life. And when the devil comes into your life, he doesn't have to just steal stuff. He can cause a wound to fester. And then he leaves and waits for you to self-destruct. Because the verse says Jesus came to set the captives, to give them deliverance. To set at liberty those that are bruised. He didn't say set at liberty those that are in prison. Or those that are captive. He said, set at liberty those that are bruised. Wounded. A wounded spirit. A few years ago, I came in contact with a book that changed my life and helped me survive some of the worst things we'd ever faced in the ministry. God opened my eyes to see that He's big enough to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And still be the God of Hagar and Ishmael. He's big enough to be the God who heals the victim while he forgives the aggressor. The man that spoke in tongues that day did one of the most vile things you could do to a human being, to his own daughter. And God gave him the Holy Ghost first. And God showed me, I'm big enough to heal the victim and forgive the aggressor. Imagine Hagar cooking for angels for the same man and woman that ruined her life. Sent her into the desert with her teenage boy to die. With a loaf of bread and a canteen full of water. There are people that get wounds in their lives because of situations that are like that. They're saying, if so and so would pay the money they owe me. If, if my children's deadbeat dad would pay the alimony. And they're looking to a man who has finite resources. But Hagar realized God has infinite resources. And woke up next to the well. That when the story ends, Isaac moved next door to that well. Because your enemies will want what you have when you forgive them and God blesses you.
He came to set at liberty those that are bruised. Have you been wounded? Do you think it will end when so and so comes and asks you forgiveness? Joseph died and Potiphar's wife never showed up to say he never did it. He was never vindicated. He was never declared innocent. But he, God, and Potiphar's wife all knew the truth. And when you can have the heart of Joseph, God will set at liberty those that have been bruised unjustly. Not only does he deliver us from sin and bondage and shame, not only does he restore our peace and our joy, not only does he destroy the vices that have us bound, one of the men in the video that we baptized, there was three people being baptized at our church outdoors. Uh, we remodeled a house and turned it into a church. Our, our baptistry's out in the driveway of the church. And the young man being baptized there, he was the insurance collector in the prison. In the, in the maximum security, they sell life insurance. If you don't pay it, you fall down the stairs and slip 17 times. What you, that's what your family hears. You fell. $5,000 life insurance is hard to come by. But when there's a gun pointing to your head, you call people and you try to find it. And he was being baptized in Jesus' name. He told me, Pastor, you can name a drug, and I was addicted to it. He could probably be a chemist or a biologist or whatever they're called, uh, a pharmaceutical drugger. The ability to make drugs in prison with the ingredients they can find. But God set him free from drugs and alcohol and violence because he came to set the captive free. Not just that, but even religion. There are people that need to be delivered from religion and false doctrine. The last night we were in Bolivia, we baptized a young man. He was in prison for 13 years. His second year in prison, he was baptized by an Assembly of God pastor. He was the delegate or the leader of the church. We have, uh, there's a hierarchy there. and There's leaders of every group in the prison. I had to write him a letter asking permission to bring in the swimming pool, the baptistry, and the sound equipment. And there's 22 pastors and churches trying to get into the prison. And they control who comes in and who gets their permission revoked. When the four men received the Holy Ghost that day, he and the other leader left the service angry. Because they didn't believe in speaking in tongues. Long story short, he was released from prison a year and a half ago. Started coming to our church. In March, we had our anniversary service, and he spoke in tongues and received the Holy Ghost. And two nights before we left, I talked to him about how he was baptized and how the Scripture shows us we need to be baptized. And I, I love 1 Corinthians 6.11. I call it the twin brother of Acts 2.38. Such were some of you, but now you've been washed, sanctified, and justified in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. That sounds like Jesus' name, baptism, and Holy Ghost filled. And he said, Pastor, I was, I was, I was wanting to ask you if I could get baptized again. Because I was baptized in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We were driving down the road. I almost drove off the road. Said, 
Because he said, I, I was going to wait till you came back. I said, we don't know if I'm coming back. You need to be baptized before we leave. And he was baptized the next night. In Jesus' name. Set free from false doctrine. Then religion can captivate you. We see that in John chapter 4. And I close with this part. John chapter 4, Jesus shows up at the well to meet one woman that was captive. Not by five ex-husbands, but by religion. Religion was her coping mechanism. I don't know about you, but if I'd been divorced five times and, and shacking up with number six, I would not argue religion with Jesus Christ. But she did it. Religion argues where, when, and how. The gospel argues who do we worship. Because she said, you, you don't worship in the right place. We worship where we're supposed to. Jesus said, you know not whom you worship. Her coping mechanism was religion. But Jesus set her free from religion. And today Jesus has come to set us free. No matter what it is. It's not just drugs and alcohol. It can be even pride. Religion. Shame. I can't tell you the power that comes when a man realizes Jesus took your shame. He took your shame. One of the reasons it's so important to find especially children that have been kidnapped because after the act, the heinous act and perversion that takes place, the person that did it is so full of, of rage and shame. They kill their victim. Because sin produces shame. And shame, shame takes them to violence. But I sat next to a hired assassin who's killed at least 24 men. Some say more. And as he realized Jesus took his shame, wept harder than some of any other men I have ever seen. Because Jesus came to set them free. Not just sin, but shame. The guilt. In the video of the lady being baptized, there was two ladies and a man. Two, uh, the, the lady and the man, one of the ladies... One of the ladies and the men that be, were being baptized were from the prison. The third lady, a uh, third person being baptized. I'm tripping on myself because I'm trying to quit. But this is important. She was the daughter of a lady that came to the prison. The Bible study of my wife. Every Thursday she preaches to 60 ladies. Gives them a ball of yarn. They knit something. We buy it off of them. And then we can sell it so they have food for their children immediately. This lady came to the Bible study, but after she got out of prison, her daughter at home, about 40 years old, was demon-possessed, a drug alcoholic, a drug addict and alcoholic. And her mother took her to a church that was closer to her than ours, and she received the Holy Ghost after she was delivered from demons. But her mom said, I want Brother Roberto to baptize you. So she brought her to the church March 28th of this year. She was baptized in Jesus' name. But the week prior to being baptized, after being delivered from demons, she, she testified after she was baptized, that week before she was baptized, the demons came to her every night and would torment her. They no longer could possess her, but they could torment her. 
But after she was baptized, she testified the demons came and they were screaming. They were angry. They were yelling, what did you just do? Why did you do that? And the demons admitted to her they could no longer torment her. And they have not been back. Because Jesus came to set her free from demon possession. And even from just being tormented. As you stand your feet right now, I know I've gone longer than I should have. Try to keep it all short, but like I said, it's, we got so much to tell you. I need to prove to somebody right now. Those that are watching on the internet, if you're still there, Jesus came to set you free. He came to set everyone free. You may say, well, I'm not demon possessed, but you might be bruised. You might be hurting. And to me, that could be even worse than being captive by something else. Because you're free to sit on a church pew, but you're bruised. You're not behind bars, but you're captive. You're imprisoned by a wound or by something else. For three years, the hired assassin of the MS-13, the Mara Salvatrucha gang member, he was on the board of Guatemala and El Salvador. For three years, he attended church. Baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. But every time he raised his hands, he could have flashbacks. The screams of widows and orphans as he ended the life of the men that he was sent to kill. Even though he'd been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, he still had the guilt. But Jesus set him free. Jesus can set you free from anything in your life right now. All you have to do is come to him and say, Jesus... I need you to set me free. I need you to set me free. As you, as your pastor comes and as our sister plays and sings, would you let Jesus set you free right now from whatever it is? You know what it is. You don't have to come up, kneel, you, right where you are. Just raise your hands and say, Jesus, I need to be set free right now. Jesus knows you better than anyone else, and he loves you more than anyone else. You, you can't do anything to make Jesus love you more. Just like you can't do anything that would cause him to love you less. He loves you and he came to set you free. God bless you.